Welcome to episode 17 of the CineSnob Podcast, brought to you this week by Alamo Drafthouse. For tickets and showtimes near you, visit drafthouse.com. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. So, um, Comic-Con's coming up this week, guys, here in San Antonio. Alamo Comic-Con, City Comic-Con. SA. Oh, Alamo City, that's right. That's yeah. ACCC. ACCC. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm fairly impressed uh, in only its second year at the talent that it's received. Are you going to go to the uh, La Bamba panel? Have you seen that? The, <laughs> or the Weekend at Bernie's panel? Is there a Weekend at Bernie's panel? There's a panel Weekend at Bernie's panel. There's a Karate Kid. I was trying to get a hold of you the other day to tell you about the Karate Kid panel. Well, I, I know, know about, about the Karate that. Kid panel, but I know that Ralph Macchio is not going to be there. Well, yeah. So. But uh, you still get Crease uh, and... Um, and Johnny. Yeah. Put sweep, him in a sweep. bunny Oh, they need to get Sweet that. They need to bring the whole cast. One of these days. Well, I guess you can't get Pat Morita, but um, so sorry, sorry. <laughs> the fact is, he's dead. Well, wait, what? <laughs> Spoiler alert: Pat Morita died like ten years ago. <laughs> At least it's been a while. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Miyagi. I love um, that movie. But yeah, uh, I'll be out there. Uh, I You're... think hosting a few panels. Cool. I don't know what yet, but uh, come by and see me. I think that I'd go to the La Bamba one if. Um... Isis Morales came as Bob. <laughs> if he came as Bob, like in his wife beater and with a Woody Woodpecker cell that he stole from Universal Studios <laughs> trash. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I still I still remember like that being my absolute favorite part when I was a kid when I oh, saw Obama. Man. And when he had picks up the big rock and throws it. Yeah. yeah. And when he uh there's a scene where he, they're shooting at a birthday party or something and he pretends like he's a vampire with his uh leather jacket. Mm, I don't Look back that and part. see it, it's hilarious. I need to watch that movie again. I haven't seen it in a while. So what are you going to? Is it, are you all going to any of it? I'm going to be there Saturday at least, uh, probably all day. I'm really looking forward to the Ninja Turtles uh, reunion panel from the uh, the original cartoon, all the voice actors. Mm, yeah, that should be cool. And then uh, one of the creators, Kevin Eastman, will be there. And then, and then uh, Stan Lee. He's the big Stan Lee, get. exactly. Stan Lee. Uh, I hope to see that. Uh, that guy is like 90-something years 91. old. 91. 91. And he's still going to Comic-Cons. Who knows how many more he has left in him? That's really sad, man. Why do you, you just made fun? Like you just, you <laughs> no, just... I was I was admiring his tenacity at like he's a he's at one hundred years old. He's at the door of being a century old, and he's still flying to see sweaty fanboys across the country. So he probably gets some from what? the fangirls. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's an image. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like that he's always dressed the same, like in a in a like like looks like prescription khaki slacks, shoes, like, I, 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 know, I like, like loafers. I'd rather then, him look like that than like a Hugh Hefner type. Oh right? yeah, that'd be gross. It'd be weird too. And I like that he hasn't like given up those same like smoked aviator style glasses. Uh, and all but that it's good. true. I've seen him hanging around with some cosplay girls that are dressed, you know, provocatively. Oh well, yeah. Dare to dream, right? Yeah, Maybe. I like this insight into Kiko's fantasies that we're getting this morning. I want to be ninety-one years old. Hey, when I'm serenity. ninety-one years old, I'm not going to. I'm going to be a dirty old man. I, I admit it. <laughs> You're already halfway there, right? <laughs> halfway, Come halfway. On. Anyway, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to news this week. It's time for the real rundown, recapping this week in movie news. Speaking of comic books and stuff. The Deadpool movie, which we talked about a few weeks ago, had uh, footage leaked, is now a go. Has a release date, as these things do, uh, without any kind of production schedule 
uh, announced or actual stars or scripts, I think. Well, the script is is official, but uh, what is it? February fourteenth, February twelfth, February twelfth, twenty sixteen. Let's and it's just a countdown to that date. Circle your calendar, boys and girls. Deadpool so, is uh, Ryan Reynolds official? It, not official, but yeah, he's it's going to be him. I mean, he's the he's the one who's been pushing it forward for years. So yeah, and it's uh, same director as the guy who did uh, the test footage, which we didn't mention this last time, but it was the guy who the guy who directed the test footage is the guy who did the opening credits for the David Fincher Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which was amazing. Oh, the uh, the, the oily yeah, kind with, of yeah, with the black goo, black goo. Yeah, was, I like that. He opening. directed that. Yeah. What else has he done? Any feature work? No. He, what's his name? Tim Miller. Tim right? Miller. Yeah. He's a black goo dude. <laughs> <laughs> was he? He got his inspiration from the X Files. Is that something from? Do you remember? You never watched the X Files? No. No. Oh, there was this black oil stuff. Man, anyway, forget it. <laughs> anyway, um, so. Earlier, it's 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 interesting because earlier in the week, people were really excited because it seemed like the internet reaction had kind of pushed this movie forward. That the people saw the test footage, they freaked out about it, and that that gave Fox confidence to give it the final green light. Yeah. Now, something has come out that uh, I guess this was uh, in a in a podcast. Um, uh, someone heard that he. Uh, heard from the director Tim Miller that they found out how to make the movie PG thirteen and that they have worked with the script and turned it from the hard R that was in the initial screenplay and that you know we kind of saw glimpses of in that test footage and turned it down into PG thirteen and that's why they agreed to make it. So how do you turn it into PG thirteen? You take away like all the fucks and just leave one and yeah, that's I a PG thirteen movie. Well, you have to you have to tone. I mean, you can't probably show a decapitated head. Like it was shown in the test footage in a PG-13 movie, I wouldn't think. I don't know. I mean, the line has really been blurred. I think really all that that separates a PG-13 movie from a hard R is either lots of cussing or nudity. Yeah. I think violence, and I know people crusade against this, that violence doesn't seem to matter to anybody. Sort of, yeah. I mean, you 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 can show all the violence you want and have it be bloodless, which happens all the time, and I don't think it affects anybody's enjoyment. That's what happened in the last Expendables. It was those violence in the same as the first two, except they didn't have the CGI blood. Yeah, yeah so what, a lot I less mean, blood. So, but what's the difference? You know, in the right, end, right, you know, who right. cares? I think the interesting part is, um, and of course, I don't, I'm not familiar with Deadpool, you know, comics wise, but I think a lot of people were looking forward to seeing. Um, you know that side of things, and and I, you know, personally, just from a cinematic perspective, I want to see rated R comic book movies. I want to see them push push it to the uh, to the to its furthest edges. Well, it doesn't necessarily mark. Uh, it's not necessarily mark of quality because I mean, Watchmen was rated R, and it that was pretty dull. I thought. I, I thought Watchmen was fine, but I, I I don't necessarily think I don't think it is a mark of quality. But you don't see it happen very much where where you get to really. I mean, other than like Kick Ass. And maybe like yeah, I didn't wasn't a fan of either of those. The either. Punisher movies, um, dollars and cents, boys. Exactly, That's all that matters. Well, I mean, uh, I assume Deadpool, this version of Deadpool, unlike the version of Deadpool we saw in X Men Origins Wolverine, which I guess has been kind of retconned out of existence. Yeah, by I'm, Days of Future Past. Yeah, I think it's been erased. I who, assume who was Deadpool at? Ryan Reynolds was. Oh, it was, but it was like just this uh, amazingly bastardized version 
he turned into like a mute. If you don't remember don't the movie at all, remember. I'm not going to describe it to you because right. it really sucked. But I assume that this Deadpool would be part of the X-Men universe going forward that they're trying to build at Fox with uh, the X-Men franchise. And I guess Fantastic Four, if the rumors are to be believed. Yeah. And uh, I would uh, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't add Deadpool to that universe. Yeah. And apparently apparently the, the script that they, I guess, are using and the one that came out uh, – a few years ago that was written a few years ago was pretty hard R and, and I guess, you know, the thing with Deadpool in the comics, from what I understand is that he's, he, he's, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking. So Deadpool is aware that he's in a comic and he, he will point that out. And, and, um, and I think that the movie was in the same vein where he's very self-aware there's fourth wall stuff. Um, like I think, I think even I read somewhere that in the script, he knows that he was in Wolverine origins and that the movie oh, yeah. sucked. And I think that they <laughs> point that out in the script. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I think that the thing that, that's, that most people, most comic book fans were impressed about with the footage was that it was true to the character and that it mm. was, uh, adult oriented. And so it'll be interesting to see if they keep that sort of element of it, um, when the movie comes out and it turns out to be PG thirteen, if that is the case, they're going to get One Direction to do the soundtrack, and that's going to, you know, <laughs> that's going to happen. I after Days of Future Past, X Men Days of Future Past, I think Fox has kind of realized that they made some mistakes along the way. I think Deadpool was definitely one of them because that was a terrible version of the character in X Men Origins, and they wasted. You know, Ryan Reynolds went on to do Green Lantern after that, and it was terrible. But I think he's a, a a great fit for the Deadpool character. And obviously he's been campaigning for it for God. I don't even know when X-Men origins came out, but it's been at least five or six years. And, uh, a lot of people describe it as a, uh, mask sort of thing like Jim Carrey. And I guess that's pretty accurate. Well, apparently he, he's just a guy who talks constantly. Yeah. And he, and like kind of a running commentary on this whole thing. And that, and that sounds like it'd be perfect for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I don't really care if it's PG thirteen. I mean, so long as the, I mean, like I said, so long as the violence is still there, I don't think it's going to change anything. I don't think the script called for. I haven't read it, but I don't think it called for nudity or, you know, maybe lots of cussing. I mean, they can probably say shit and asshole and bitch all they want, and they can get one <laughs> fuck in there. And <laughs> yeah, they got a couple dicks in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean, of all things, right? I mean, look at you. Go, Guardians of the Galaxy is huge, and they said "dick" how many times? At least two or three times. Like, and meaning "dick," like, yeah. like my dick. And, <laughs> and they had a like a, a semen joke in there. Oh uh, yeah, uh, the like black light joke. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's not. <laughs> the boundaries are being pushed as far as they can, I think, without actually having nudity in it. Because uh, I think nudity is the one thing that's a big red X now. Because you look at even old PG thirteen movies. Uh, had boobies in them but you can show like <laughs> you can show uh a, a butt in a pg-13 movie yeah because uh, i remember i think airplane is rated PG, pg yeah it is and there's a set of boobs in the airplane yeah. um obviously we've gotten more prudish yeah what towards nudity violence if i could do whatever you want violence and talk about your dick all you want but don't show it <laughs> <laughs> or like don't don't use it as like an anatomy part like you can, uh, like you can use it as an expression. Oh yeah, that's a TV thing. I think. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can, you can use the word 
like someone's being a dick, like an, like they're being a jerk. Yeah. But they can't say like he's being a dick about his dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also like how previously you can say ass, but if you say asshole, then they bleep hole. Like because that's oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's yeah. anatomic. So yeah. yeah. We live in a world. We live in a strange world. Yeah. Cursing wise. Anyway, Deadpool, February twelfth. 2016. That's that's another uh, uh, effort by the studios to reclaim February from the garbage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think they moved something back to put it there, and I don't remember what it was, but because uh, because Lego Movie opened this year in February that weekend, and that's I mean that's all that's better for us. I mean we don't have to sit through entire months knowing that we're not going to see sit through anything January and while. February going like fuck. Well, next February, remember we've got Jupiter ascending. So. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. There's a movie. A, uh, is it titled Happy Valley? Yes. Titled Happy Valley, uh, an HBO film starring um, Al Pacino as the late Penn State football coach Jerry. I mean, not uh, Joe Paterno. I'm sorry. Uh, and it deals with the scandal, the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Yes. And uh, Jerry Sandusky, the convicted child molester is set to be played by John Carroll Lynch, who I don't know him from anything other than Drew, the Drew Carey show. He was in Zodiac. Uh, he played... Oh, I think he was also in um, uh, the movie Paul. He was in Fargo. That's right. He was... Uh, I remember, like most I remember him from as, as Drew Carey's cross-dressing brother on the Drew Carey show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is this is going to be uh, directed by Brian De Palma. Um it's a pretty pretty big time for an HBO film, right? Yeah, and and you know reteaming with Al Pacino, um, and so basically earlier this week the news was that John Carroll Lynch was was cast as Jerry Sandusky, um, and which which was pretty interesting, uh, you know, just as in itself as a piece of news because I mean that's one hell of a role to to tie yourself <laughs> to, and and um, and uh, so later in the week it came out that HBO halted production on it. Um, and, uh, and of course, according to HBO, they say we have suspended pre-production to deal with budget issues, but the project is still intact. What would the budget issues be on a, like a docudrama? Uh, Al Pacino's salary, maybe? I don't know. Um. Not docudrama, but, um, um, what am I trying to say? Like a historical drama, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, apparently they're also going to tinker with some script things, but, um, I, I find it interesting because I don't, I don't. I don't know if I buy the budget thing. Uh, I think that maybe they're they might be balking at taking on a project like this. Why though? Well, I think that it's still kind of fresh, and I think that you know th- they want to make sure that. I mean, I, I don't know. Are people going to be ready to see something dealt like that? And and if you're going to deal with something as serious as child molestation, you kind of have to make sure that you're getting everything right, and that you're kind of. Uh, you're kind of doing it to a point where, you know, you're keeping in mind that it's a very sensitive subject that's still fresh in people's minds. So, But is this going to be from uh, Sandusky's point of view or is it going to be from Paterno's? I mean, if Al Pacino's your leading it, man, I, I would think that it would be. I would be think so, yeah. It's, from it's, his. Yeah, it's, it's, it's from the perspective of Paterno, but also not necessarily in a good light because, you know, part of what I've read as far as the synopsis goes is how Paterno – uh, kept quiet right. without knowing. 
So it's pretty deep stuff. I mean, but with HBO behind it, I mean, they 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 rarely miss when it comes to TV movies. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, their last couple were really good. Behind the Candelabra was great. Um, I didn't see that one. I really dug um, Recount. Recount. I didn't um, really like the, the Sarah Palin one. Was not. I thought great. the Sarah Palin one was good. I thought I, I liked. I liked the way they put I guess it together. The, the most normal or the normal heart was the most recent one, right? The normal heart was good. I saw that. Um, I haven't seen. That so yet. I've seen them, I mean, most of them. Um, what was the Pacino one that he was in? Oh, was the, uh, the Spectre one? I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Didn't he also – was there also a Kevorkian one? That mm-hmm. he yeah. yeah uh-huh. okay. Oh, he's playing some big um, big names. Yeah, so he's he's no, he's no stranger to HBO movies. I mean he's done several over the past few years. Do you think uh, for the role of Jerry Sandusky that they purposely cast somebody who's not – like I mean the guy who's been in the business for a while, John Carroll Lynch, has been in some stuff. But they don't cast somebody who's like recognizable. I, I kind of wonder if that's because nobody wanted to play him. I, I – like, do you think that they had offers out to bigger actors? And I don't know. I, I mean, it's such a like, you know, meaty role. You know, it's mm-hmm. I think more a lot of. I think maybe actors they would want to jump. You know, but I think maybe they don't want somebody with baggage to be that part too. You know, like somebody you see as so and so. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. Like, uh, uh, like uh, Ryan Reynolds getting him for the part, right? <laughs> that'd be interesting. <laughs> uh, and I. It just and it's such a bizarre thing. Do you? I mean, you remember when that happened in the the Bob Costas uh, phone interview with with Jerry Sandusky that yeah. was just yeah. uh, like self destructive and and insane. Yeah, oh where, where I, I think I think they straight up asked him if he was a child molester and he dodged the question. Yeah. Like, oh my god! You, I can't did... believe Costas kept a straight face during that thing. I mean, that was impressive. Yeah, whatever you think of Bob Costas, he's. I mean, this was an impressive, like, oh, you journalistic hate- moment for him just to, to not be, not go like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this will be, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this project. I, I, I want to see it happen, and I hope that the delay is not. Do you, and I, I wonder, and I don't know the, I don't know college football, period, and what, where Penn State sits right now uh-huh. as, as far as uh, prestige in the program. I know it's been kicked down a, a huge <laughs> to it to yeah. the you know this thing you know just made Penn State take a nosedive in the national spotlight but there's no there's no like corporate uh ties to Penn State is there I mean college football wise that's all ESPN and um yeah and I CBS. mean CBS Penn State is kind of like they had a couple a couple bad years of of bad press but I mean the thing is the guy who took over for Paterno Paterno he already has. He's the coach of the, coach of the Houston Texans now, mm-hmm. so he navigated his way through all of the negative press, and they did well, and he got that job. And then I think I'm not entirely sure, but I think that the ban that Penn State had on them as punishment for that, like, they, I don't think they were eligible for bowl games. I mm-hmm. think that has been lifted at this point. I so. just it just reminds me, and I think about how uh, ESPN about ten years ago had a show. That was about professional football. It was called Playmakers. Oh yeah, um, and it was all fictionalized. Yeah, uh, but word is the rumor is the NFL made them cancel it, huh? Uh, because it was too close to home, on the nose. Yeah, well, and that- I mean, the NFL has its own fucking problems right now. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and I was think I was wondering. I was trying to put the the corporate structure of I guess it's uh, Time Warner. Who owns HBO? Trying to put that into perspective, where maybe if college football falls somewhere in there, and I guess it doesn't, that I can that I that I know of. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think I think college football is 
you know, college football is one of those weird things because they're making money off of players who don't get paid. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a nasty little <laughs> business. But. I have no interest in college football whatsoever. Any kind of college sport, I just don't give a shit about. College football, college basketball, I just don't care. I was like that until my school got a football team, and now I'm all about it. But. I know. You're always <laughs> posting on fucking Facebook. Welcome to Cinesports, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Cinesports. You're, you're like tailgating in scary parking lots. and. Well, that was, that was in Houston, and uh, – and we were we had a security card. So. <laughs> Aww, yeah, how adorable! All right, so uh, th- there's no uh, target date for this yet, is there? Uh, no, not after the delay. Um, we I don't think there's any word of when it when it'll uh, come out. I'm looking now, but but H- HBO always brings the quality, and I, I assume that they'll get past whatever the budgetary issues are. Brian De Palma, where's where's he been the last like ten years? What's mm. the last big film from Brian De Palma? Let's look. I don't even know. I don't know. Um, last I think, one I remember was Snake Eyes, and that's been that was like the late nineties. Uh, he, wow. Well, he did uh, the Black Dahlia in oh, yeah. two thousand six, and then he did Passion this past or it, Passion past year. It was the one with Rachel McAdams and. Uh, and I don't remember uh, it at all. Mickey Rourke is that? Hmm. Anyway, it's a it's an impressive pedigree for an HBO movie. I have to say, um, though they've had. They've had no trouble attracting top talent. Like the behind the candelabra was, um, was he pre or post retired at this that point? That was post retired. That was the first thing he did post retirement <laughs> for Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh post retirement. I directed an HBO movie. Yeah. About uh, Liberace and won tons of awards for it. And, yeah. Yeah. And now he's halfway directing Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, and he did. He directed all ten episodes of The Nick, the first oh, season. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's really taken it easy in his <laughs> retirement. All right. Anyway, let's move on to our last item. Uh, there's a film. What's the title of it, Cody? Serena. Serena featuring uh, dynamic duo Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And directed by Suzanne Beer, who is a – she's, she's a, Danish? I believe so. A um, Danish director who's uh, – has she she won an Oscar, right? Or was she, Do you say Danish she, or do you say Dutch? I think those are two – <laughs> Danish is Denmark. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking of. I'm think, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you say Danish because that's correct. That's where yeah, she's from. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and Danish because uh, she's a big fan of the pastry. Mm, those are good. We should have some. Yeah. I don't think anyway, she's won an Oscar, she but she. Yeah. Um... We're kind of floundering here. So uh, the story <laughs> is that there's there's this film starring Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence that may get shelved and just released to video. Yeah, um, I mean, oh no, and A Better World won the Oscar. That's right. So yeah, Suzanne Beer has won an Oscar. All right. From, uh, <laughs> we have a movie starring an Oscar nominee and an Oscar winner from an Oscar winning director yes. that may get shelved. Correct. Not just any Oscar winner, Jennifer Lawrence, the hottest actress in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Uh, um, here's the thing about this movie that's interesting. It was shot in 2012. Which was before they even did American Hustle, I believe, before that was even shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still post Silver Linings Playbook, right? Yes. Okay. And so this movie was shot two and a half years ago, um, and uh, and basically what happened was it's been in post production ever since, and uh, um, because of all the special effects, yeah, because of all the special <laughs> effects. I mean, it's basically a depression era drama about newlyweds running a timber business in North Carolina. Which is complicated when the wife cannot bear children. So there's the synopsis. Um, 
people saw this movie and thought it was going to be an Oscar contender, and they were like, "Oh, we're just waiting for it to come out." Uh, and um, and now Magnolia has purchased the movie, and um, and you know Magnolia doesn't really have Oscar contenders usually. Um, I, although they're a good company, but not usually an Oscar contender company. But um, I think this is big news because of the fact that you know we got the duo in Silver Linings, and then we got the duo in American Hustle, and everybody was looking at them as you know this amazing coupling in in terms of movies, and all of a sudden they're going to just dump this one. Well, um, well, and here's what's here's the release schedule. It's going to be um, a January or February release in just New York and L.A. limited, and then a day of VOD release. So, so they're they're hiding this one. Yeah, so this was once thought to be an Oscar contender and now it's going to be dumped in January or February on VOD. Well, where was it seen? You said people seen the film? It, uh, no, not yet. Um Oh, it hasn't screened it. Yeah, it's going to make its premiere at the London Film Festival next month. Apparently it was being screened like for insiders, you know, insiders yeah. are talking. Insiders had talked about it and said and here uh one quote that I see from an anonymous buyer of the movie, so uh, you know, I guess they screened it for people to potentially buy it. Mm-hmm. And he said the film was so edited it made no sense. And that another uh, uh, buyer described the movie as uneven, particularly Lawrence's descent into madness. Mm. So, um, so yeah, this is a really interesting case. And one thing that we were talking about was, you know, Kiko has mentioned this a few times from movies. How do movies with major actors in them get? You know, you, you've never heard of them. So, like, it used to be when you went to Blockbuster, but now it's if you go to Redbox and you see a cover for, and let's face it, a Nicolas Cage movie is what it is now, where you're like, like that Trespass movie, remember, that had Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman. You're like, what the hell is this? Oh, and that has, like, the worst Photoshop cover. Yeah. I remember <laughs> Nicolas Cage's face just looks like he took it from, like, a, The Rock or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's 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 weird to see, like, this is exactly how movies with big actors kind of just appear out of nowhere that you've never heard of. There was no, it never played theatrically. It's that they make these crappy movies and then they, the studios who buy them or the dis- distributors who buy them just bury them. Completely. I always freak out when I see that, especially on Redbox when I step up to one just to see what's on there. Cause I rarely rent from Redbox, but like I'll see like, <laughs> I saw one like a Morgan Freeman and John Cusack movie once. And I was I like, remember, what the hell is this? Yeah. I remember, I've never heard of it in once in my life. Is that the same one that was uh I remember there was a Morgan Freeman Justin Timberlake one. Oh was it? <laughs> uh I don't know. I don't remember who else was in it, but there was it this is three or four years ago at least. I was like, man, what what the hell? Like Morgan Freeman's a big star. Like how does this just get like how am I just seeing it now at the right. red box? Or how, how haven't I even heard of it before? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I don't know. Do, do you think like Morgan Freeman knows that he's in in one of these movies that's just going to get dumped, or does he really think that? I don't. I mean, judging by some of the parts Morgan Freeman has taken in the last couple of years, I think he just does it for the paycheck. I mean, you look at him in something like Lucy, or uh, which I hated, or even uh, was it Olympus Has Fallen, which I loved because it was so stupid. Yeah, but I mean, he is t- completely checked out. You think so? Dolphin Tale 2? You didn't. I haven't seen Dolphin Tale 2. I saw the first Dolphin Tale and he was mildly checked out. Um, And it's funny. You remember there was a trend also a few years ago of uh, taking uh, established properties, like established movies, uh, and sequelizing them? I think the most recent one I saw was Jarhead. Jarhead 2. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You know what? That's a good topic for another podcast. uh, Yeah, but it, it. 
maybe like seven or eight years ago, that was the real kind of meat of Cruel it. Cruel Intentions, they did that to Cruel Intentions. That was, Cruel Intentions, that's funny because that was a Fox, uh, a Fox pilot. Uh, with Amy Adams was in that before mm-hmm. she was famous, and it was it was supposed to be a Fox uh, TV show, and then they took it, they they just trashed it immediately, and they turned it into Cruel Intentions two, <laughs> and they added nudity. Oh, there they you added go. like these two twins showering with uh, one of the main characters, and like that was the big the big addition for that. <laughs> and then they went with Cruel Intentions three, and I think I've seen like they're already up to. Number four on Are Wild they, Things? No, no not on, 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 on Wrong Turn. I think they're at like six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or is Dust Till Dawn? I know they did a few of those. Too. I think that stopped at three. Mm. I never saw any of those. The The Crow they kept going with. Uh, they really? I didn't But know uh, The Crow was weird because um, they get mildly big actors. Mm-hmm. God, uh, the last one was, uh, I think it was called The Crow Wicked Prayer. And start Edward Furlong as the crow, <laughs> and the villains were uh, was uh, was David Boreanaz and Tara Reid. weren't they going to redo? Uh, <laughs> Sounds terrible. Redo- and Dennis Hopper was in it. Oh fuck! It was one of the last things he did before he died. <laughs> weren't they going to redo the crow with Bradley Cooper? That was a rumor. I don't know if it ever got past that re- stage. Well, I remember seeing uh, concept art of Bradley Cooper dressed as the crow. Some yeah. Well, somebody drew. The crow eye stuff on Bradley Cooper's face. Are you sure it wasn't like legitimate? Because I, I remember I thought that they were like really gonna do it. I don't know, but there, it's it, it is weird how because this, like you said, there's these movies and oh, Luke, I don't. Luke Evans is supposed to play him now, but go on. I don't think anybody as big as Jennifer Lawrence is right this minute. Yeah, that I've known to be in a movie that's buried. I mean, there's plenty of stuff you see that like, oh fuck, you know, here's a new Mickey Rourke movie. You know, or that uh, Diana movie, that Princess Diana movie uh, with uh, what's her name? Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. That got buried. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't and, remember and, that one. That was uh, last year, right? Yeah, and that was seen as an awards contender, and then it just <laughs> well, people started realizing how bad it was, so yeah. they were just like, "Let's go ahead and move this to the back." It's an interesting phenomenon, and I guess Netflix has made it even. Netflix and Redbox have made it even bigger. Made it easier for them to dump things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or just because, like Jarhead Two, like what the fuck, Jarhead oh, yeah. Two, like <laughs> it's a great think... title. It's a great title, though. Like you're gonna get a lot of military guys. Jarhead, you know, yeah. like it's gonna all the Marines. Yeah, that's Marines, right? Jarhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, it's it's weird because I think that I think that we're in an interesting time where VOD is not necessarily. I mean, it's a place where you can put legitimately good movies now, and we've seen that happen in yeah. the past in the past year, really. In really the past six months, where we've seen really good movies come well, like out, like Snowpiercer and um, the one I love was yeah. VOD. Um, uh, uh, I think Joe was put on there. Frank was put on VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting uh, you know better and better movies uh, come out. Blue Ruin, uh, uh, and so uh, it's not necessarily a dumping ground anymore, but straight to video absolutely is, and that's the one thing that is always going to be a mark of sucktitude. Is if you see a straight to video release? Are we? Is the line getting blurred though between VOD and straight to video? Well, because I, I mean, at at this point, they kind of mean the same thing. Well, I think that you can market it as a same day in theaters, and same day in theaters, and release it on VOD, and and have like a VOD window, and then have the home. But release. I mean, how many people know that? You know what I mean? Like they see something that shows up the same place as. Uh, the shit movies. Well, I well, 
and so to speak. It depends. I mean, I, I guess you have to come up with a distinction of, um, you know, uh, VOD still in theaters and then VOD just releases because there is categories that say still in theaters. And that's yeah. how you know that you're getting something that is shown in either New York or L.A. or has a slow release coming. That out. reminds me of just being in hotel. Like when you get those movies that have been a, like they've been released. Well, like- well, I like that. I like the hotel <laughs> movies are like right in between like like dollar theater and in <laughs> release yeah so it's like it's like they're getting that gap where it's like not quite there but yeah so actually you, it might be between theatrical and dollar feet it's one of those two so if you get a um, morgan freeman movie in your hotel room anytime soon if you're at Redbox <laughs> and you're like shit i don't remember morgan freeman and i don't know who like you said john cusack right like, yeah like man, those are big stars. Why are they in this well, it's shitty like action movie? When I went to when I when I was going to the blockbuster closings, I saw people pick up copies of Trespass, and I'm like, oh man. Like, I mean, I haven't seen it, but obviously, it's it's. I mean, it's it's not going to be good. And you see that you see people pick up these. It's always like it was always funny to see that. And then um, another blockbuster thing I loved was the Asylum movies that would come out, and people would be and people would pick them up and rent them. Oh, the Mockbusters. Yeah, I guess thinking that oh, it's out on DVD already. Yeah, wait, we, I think we talked about that a couple weeks yeah. ago. I don't think I think some people just want to see something. Yeah, you know? and, if, I guess. and if and if you're if you're like if you're not discerning at all, or you just want to watch something, you know, we're spoiled because we get to see all this stuff for free. Yeah, you know, people send us screeners and we get to go to the movies for free. But most people don't get the opportunity to see a movie for a dollar and maybe they're cause like I got friends that are like, yeah, I'm never seeing anything in theaters again. Cause I have three fucking kids, you know? <laughs> so maybe they are like, Oh shit, a dollar for a movie. Why not? You know, if it sucks, <laughs> fuck it, it was a dollar, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's necessarily people being fooled. I'm sure people are plenty of people are getting fooled. Like, Oh, transmorphers. I thought it was called transformers, but well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel has its own screw job there with the Sharknados and whatnot, whatnot with the um, yeah. But Sharknado gets a theatrical release all of a sudden too. So. Yeah, Sharknado two did, did it get a theatrical release or was it one of I, those Fathom event things? I I, I think it got a, a, a mild theatrical release. Really? I don't think it was totally Fathom. Yeah. Oh, strange. Anyway, Sharknado two Game at theaters. Shark, you can go see Sharknado two. Serena, the, not yeah, <laughs> with the Oscar winning, the hottest actress in Hollywood right now, fresh off an Oscar win. Yeah, you can't see it, but you can go see fucking Sharknado. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have the guest. Thanks for the drink. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't want it though. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you prefer this. All right, in this movie, a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. We all saw this movie, Kiko. 
I, start <laughs> I, I, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, this is by the director, um, Adam Wingard and writer Simon Barrett. Uh, they're the ones that were in, um, behind the horror comedy, uh, Your Next a couple of years ago. Uh, and basically what they did with Your Next is that they turned the horror movie cliche on its head and kind of did something different. If you don't uh, remember the one, that's the one with the animal masks. Yeah. The animal yeah. masks. And there's a, a family reunion type uh, get together and they, uh, well, they they're there sh- for the, they got shot with fucking arrows. <laughs> yeah. That's how it starts. People get started, started getting shot with arrows. They kill the filmmaker at, uh, at the beginning. Um, so uh, they really turn the horror movie genre on its head. They they do the same thing here. It's not really much of a horror movie in terms of, uh, as is in compared to like a thriller, and it's more of a, like a throwback thriller to the eighties. When I saw it, I thought of like Terminator. That's what was going through my mind most of the like time. The mysterious stranger kind of reminded me of the Hitcher. The Hitcher uh, it reminded me of a little bit of like uh, Halloween in terms of like a horror movie. Uh, you know, with this one guy that can't be stopped no matter yeah. you know how many times you shoot him or how many times you you know. <laughs> You know, hack him in the face or whatever, anything like that. But uh, Dan Stevens, he plays the guest, the title role. Uh, he, his name is David. Um, and he's just, a, you know, a real badass Marine. And at first, you don't really know where he's coming from. Uh, he's a really nice, charming guy. And then all of a sudden, shit hits the fan and <laughs> things get crazy. And I, I love the way that they uh, kind of put this movie together and just made everything, uh, you know, Really campy, but not cheesy. Um, mm-hmm. They did a lot of good things uh, with the with the dialogue and uh, a lot of the, um, I guess the you know action sequences are really funny. Yeah, um, even little things like there's a scene where he uses grenades and the way he just tosses the grenades <laughs> is really funny. I, I I don't know. I I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a, a hit. And check out my interview with the direct. Uh, Star Dan Stevens. Uh, he was mostly known for uh, Downton Abbey yeah. and things like that. He really plays uh, um, against one, type here. Another uh, one of those British actors coming over here and stealing our roles. Well, he's British and he's playing like a you know an playing American. a marine, doing like a or no an a, army. He's a the perfect army. Uh, Kentucky accent. Yeah, exactly. Perfect yeah. Kentucky accent. Yeah, and he doesn't ever. You never think that he's anything but a Kentucky type. Yeah. guy. So anyway, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the guest was a lot of fun. Um, it's a throwback. I mean, if you the, you could hear the music the and the it kind of reminded me a tiny bit of a uh, uh, drive. Dri- yeah, there was a little bit of drive in there. Yeah, I could that, see that. Uh, kind of like he's he has the half smile through the whole thing, like Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm, right? Did. As he talks though, in this. yeah, <laughs> he didn't beat anybody to death in an elevator, stomp them to death in an elevator, but. It's pretty close. Yeah. So and that cool '80s synth uh, soundtrack, mm-hmm. and the way the they could, like just cut off the you know certain scenes and the music cuts off at the yeah, same time. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Cody. Yeah, I, I think that the best thing that this movie does is um, is I think that it's really well paced, and I think that it you know it plays up the mystery of who David is like almost perfectly. I mean, because for the first I guess fifteen or twenty minutes of the movie. He's this really charming uh, guy, and, and you and you know that something's wrong. You know that something is not quite right. Yeah, but you're just kind of waiting for it to happen. And I think that it it kind of very slowly evolves into what David becomes, and you and it kind of plays. It kind of keeps the mysteries of things uh, pretty close to the vest. And I think that it almost perfectly, um, you know unfolds uh, yeah, and then you at some point in the film i don't remember how soon it, it cuts to like some army base somewhere yes what's the actor's name he was in uh, uh fringe lance uh 
shit. Um, he always plays the part of like the the guy who's behind Lance the Lance Reddick. Lance, Lance Reddick. Reddick. He was in Lost. He was in uh, Fringe. Yeah. Uh, and he's in this as the guy who's kind of behind the whole, like he knows he's, he's the one that's like, oh shit, something's going wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't really ever know. You just know, cause you know, when he shows up, you know, like there's something that's not right with this guy, (laughs) but he's helping the family out. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he, the son, uh, the scene that we played the clip from. Is when uh, he takes on his son's bullies yes. and like just kicks their asses. Which, by the way, that's for me at least the best scene in the movie was the scene in the bar. Yeah, yeah. that's a great scene. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it, the way that it just breaks down and it shows you how badass of a character he is. And it's the same as uh, the the girl, the main girl in um, I think you're next. She's just like a real like you know she's real sure of herself and yeah. she doesn't take shit from anybody. And you get some uh, there's an I guess a. Um, not teenage daughter. Maybe she's like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, she's out of high school, and she starts to have a crush on him. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and then she's the one that really kind of alert is is alerted right away that something's not right. And again, if you go into this and you're not familiar with Wingard's last movie, and you're not familiar with this type of like winky type horror or winky type uh, action movie that he's trying to do, mm-hmm. I, I heard another critic that was like sitting in front of you know, uh, moviegoers that didn't understand the humor. They're like, Oh my, like they didn't understand that it was supposed to be, you know, campy. Mm -hmm. So they were taking it as a serious movie and they were like wondering, you know, they're wondering why, you know, cause it's, it is, there's cliche moments in this, but they're done differently that Uh, they don't, they don't come off as, you know, well, it's, I think may, I mean, it could be cause it's a throwback and that people haven't seen, that t- that like 80s style of stuff and maybe they it's lost on them i, I think there's know. always a danger in as a filmmaker when you take something that's a like a genre that's almost always straightforward like horror or thriller and try to turn it on its ear a little bit i think uh in a, when we talk about tusk a little later there's plenty of problems with that it just it it doesn't always work for everyone i think this case it worked great but some people are going to see it and like, well, what the fuck? Why is this? Like, yeah, they'll be like, it. oh, this this is a, this is like the Terminator. It's so stupid. Yeah, you know. But it, when it, you know, of course it is like the Terminator. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, but then you know, because uh, most people are just ready. They're ready to see like, they're there. They're like, oh, this is a thriller, and they're ready to see you know just all the you know the damsel in the distress and the you know the, the last girl standing, last boy standing sort of thing. Right. And. Uh, this I I think is a I love this movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I love love it, but I thought it was really good. I, I want to see what he does next. I mean, I, I really enjoyed his first. Well, you know so. what he's doing next? They announced he's uh, remaking I Saw the Devil. Ah, oh, that's right, that's right. He's doing the and Korean that was a movie. Korean film, right? Okay, yeah. and uh, which is perfect for him. I mean, I think that movie was uh, kind of like a slow burn type film. I, I didn't I didn't love that movie. I think uh it was it was from the guy who did uh The Good, the Bad and the Weird, right? Mm, I believe so. I and and that's that. that movie I love. Um Didn't we talk about this a few weeks ago? I thought we did. No, I don't think so. Really? I saw The Devil. The Good, the Bad and the Weird? I don't know. I don't remember bringing it up. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's from uh Kim Ji Woon who did it and yeah, he did Good, the Bad and the Weird and you know, he did The Last Stand which was awful, but um the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but I didn't I didn't hate that movie. Really? I, it, I thought that was a decent throwback. Uh, 
yeah. but it, it came out in January and yeah. it was a piece of shit. Anyway, this movie, The Guest, is uh, a lot of fun, I think. And I think more than anything, it's fun. Um, that's the word I would use to describe yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Yeah. And I don't want to turn on the spoiler zone either. But yeah. yeah, don't – I mean, you know something's not right, but you don't know what it is until, uh, I guess, the final act of the movie, really. Yeah. It doesn't show its cards early, and I think that's a pretty important yeah. aspect of uh, of – of this, because a lot of them, a lot of them do. You already know, like, oh, well, right, you know, right. why this guy is this way, and, mm-hmm. and it ends so perfectly. I love <laughs> yeah, the way yeah. that it ends. It's just great. Yeah. Anyway, so recommended. Yes, all yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move on to our next review: The Maze Runner. Oh, God, can't we send someone after them? That's against the rules. Either they make it back or they don't. Can't risk losing anyone else. clips that don't play well over audio <laughs> so, something's like, happening things are closing there's and opening a big, and... big big maze door closing at that point there's not it's a very it's a very visually pleasing movie but i don't know about much else uh you didn't see this one cody but no. kiko and i did so kiko oh i'm sorry let me let me explain the plot first this is uh uh, in the Maze Runner, Thomas, the main character, is deposited in a community of boys after his memory is erased, soon learning they're all trapped in a maze. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Not really. Um, the director, the writers, they're all first-timers out the door. Um, and, and it shows. I mean, there's this is a very – it's not a terrible movie when, in comparison to other uh, YA, you know, dystopian-type teenage thrillers like mm-hmm. The Giver. I think The yeah. Giver is way worse than yeah. Maze Runner. But Maze Runner is so average. I mean, like put all the m- movies that are like this in a row and it falls right in the center. I mean, there's some great um, – graphics or some great uh special effects yeah i think it looks pretty it looks good um and and i mean i guess some of the um you know some of the more uh, frantic you know action sequences are okay but just the story the, the story in general just doesn't go anywhere i mean i didn't feel anything for any of these characters mm-hmm. uh i've kind of played tried to play like a lord of the flies type movie yeah. uh where they're in this like you know hierarchy type uh situation and the boys all have their own like you know responsibilities in this maze or in this uh you know world where they live trying to get out of the maze but um from there i really couldn't get a whole, get on and on board with any of the kids or or what they're trying to do to get out of it it just didn't make any sense to me or you know why we should care about any of them trying to get out um i don't know i just didn't feel anything and then uh somewhere half halfway or maybe a little bit more than that they throw in a girl into the play yeah uh, she's like the first girl that's uh, living with them now and she has a connection to thomas correct there's yeah. some kind of connection which is shown in really bad uh, flashback type scenes um but they could they could have done so much more with the girl character i mean she's the only girl in this 
and again, I'll let you take 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 it well, from here because I know you had a big problem with this. I just you get about three quarters of the way through the movie and you realize, shit, we are in total setup mode. Right. I mean, there's for no right a, for this series, and I guess this is based on a series of books. I don't know how many, but you real you're like, oh, we're like nothing is going to get resolved in this movie. No, definitely, you could totally tell. You know, it was almost done as like. Yeah, like, wait a minute, <laughs> there are no answers here. And then you get your standard, um, uh, wait, I talked about this when we saw it, like, it seems like they just throw, like, a middle-aged actress in there, like, we had Meryl Streep in The Giver mm-hmm. as the mysterious person who knows everything. Right. Uh, uh, Divergent had, uh, was it Kate Winslet? I can't remember who Divergent who who was in that one, um, but here we have Patricia Patricia Clark on Divergent, and then uh, it's just you you that you get to this point and you realize oh shit there's a big mystery and it's a post apocalyptic society where some kind of just off the wall concept is introduced as a means to test teenagers in their survivability in the whatever wasteland is out there. Right. Right. And that uh, part of that story didn't, you know, it's like make, that, that didn't, that didn't go anywhere at all for <laughs> me. I mean, it's just like one of those things that you toss up and, you know, onto the wall and see if it sticks. And, um, cause you wonder why they're in the, why this maze is there. Like right. somebody has constructed this immense, you know, acres, huge maze <laughs> with mechanical doors and uh, spidery hunting robots and stuff. And, and then when you find out why, it's like, like, that's what? what? <laughs> yeah, that's why? Uh, really? And it, it, I guess it's, you know, it's the young adult genre. Uh, is there anything else in the young adult genre besides post-apocalyptic stories about teens having to prove themselves to mysterious elders? Because that seems like every fucking <laughs> young adult novel is like, because I don't... Every series, yeah. Every every franchise they're trying to make, pretty much. Well, what started that? Is it The Hunger Games? Because everything, I guess it's everything mirroring The Hunger Games. Yeah, I yeah, I think probably Hunger Games is what kicked it off. I mean, as far as making them into films. Right, well, yeah, yeah I mean, this modern sort of age of, yeah. of <laughs> film. I wonder how long, films. yeah, I wonder how long this is going to is this? I mean, is it just? A, I mean, I know it's a trend, but how long is this trend? Well, I, ass- I assume there's tons more out there. Oh I mean, well, it's, it's like when they have when you go to Barnes and Noble and you see like there's there's something there's a section that says paranormal teen romance. Yeah. You're now going to have like you know uh, dystopian teenage whatever as an entire section. And I mean, uh, uh, as of the of the ones I've seen recently, this is probably the best made one. More um, so than the Hunger Games. Uh, I like well, the second Hunger Games. Yeah, I mean, well, good. okay. No, yeah. I think the Hunger Games is still... I mean, I wasn't a big fan of either of the Hunger Games, but um, yeah, in terms of this type of you know genre or subgenre, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, I don't think the Hunger Games is topped right now. But I mean, if you're trying to top it, I mean, you already have a problem there. I mean, you're trying to just kind of like... I if, think you're just trying to get some more of that bread, the breadcrumbs. Right, around. exactly. I mean, you're not, you're not like... They're not thinking we're making the next Hunger Games. They're thinking... People saw the Hunger Games. They'll come see this. Well, Maze Runner does. Maze Runner thinks it is if it's trying to already set itself up for another one. Well, I mean, you I, knew the Hunger Games was going to get made no matter what. I think it's self, you know, try, you know, a little bit self. What is the word? Congratulatory. Yeah. Well, they they're kind of counting their eggs before they hatch in terms of you know the way that they wrote this one. But I think you have to now, though. I mean, I think that you never know what's going to hit. So if you don't write it, I mean, and obviously it's based on a series of books. So if you 
if you were to adapt that first book, and that's been the the problem, like the problem with Twilight, the Twilight movies, like they didn't bother adapting the books. They're just like, let's fucking film every piece of this book and put it on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's, <clears throat> there was no effort to make them self-contained. There was no effort made to to turn it into some kind of coherent narrative that ends after two hours. And I think this is this one suffered from that too, like because they think that you know, oh, there's shit. However many more books, I don't know, three, four more books. We better write this one as though we're going to get to make these three or four books because otherwise, fans are going to be pissed off. At least I I think that's the motivation behind it. Because why would you why would you get three quarters of the way through this movie and not start to resolve things if you if you don't think that you're going to make a sequel. Right. You know that's I mean? true. Maybe it's, I mean, again, I haven't read the books either, but maybe that's the way the books end. And that's, that's an alarming, alarming trend that's happening is set up movies, movies yeah. that only exist to set up. And I think that Spy- amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah. And and again, I, I know that I, Jared, you probably don't agree with me, but I think that the Marvel movies early on really suffered from that. Oh no, I totally agree. Like okay. Iron Man two. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the the uh, nadir of the genre uh, of the whole Marvel universe, yeah. where it's just like this is all table setting. Like, there's no reason for this movie to exist other than we need to get to the Avengers. Yeah, and I felt that way about the first Thor too. Yeah, I wasn't a, a big fan like, of the, of either Thor movie, but the yeah. first Thor especially. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's a trend that needs to stop. I mean, uh, I, I and you know, I it's like. We get it. Like, there's going to be sequels, but that doesn't mean you have to like res- like leave things like like exactly. Amazing Spider-Man Two was a terrible, only serving to set up type of. movie. I don't think the the Marvel movies. Excuse me, man. Sorry about that. I don't think the Marvel movies offend on quite the level something like this does, though. Yeah. <coughs> oh man, sorry about that. I think this is. Uh, you know, like I said, you don't. You get to the end, and it, there's just more story. Like there's just more maze, or yeah. whatever's next. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you're like, oh, oh, oh. Here, this stuff should have probably been, you know, told to us earlier in the movie because it's. I guess it's a mystery that that builds throughout the movie. But then once you get there, you're like, oh, nothing's really answered. Yeah. Maybe a crypto quip will be in the next one. They're gonna have to figure that out. You know what a crypto quip is? Oh, what is a crypto quip? It's that little game in some of the newspapers. Man, I haven't looked at a newspaper. <laughs> in so You're long. the problem. You're the Print reason we're dying. Dead. You guys and your online papers. <laughs> uh, you know, it's no labyrinth with David Bowie. Oh, that's what you wanted. You're, that's what you're waiting for. Is oh, lab- you're waiting for David Bowie at the yeah. end. Yeah, I wanted a goal like David Bowie. <laughs> With that giant codpiece in Labyrinth. <laughs> I love that word, by the way. Codpiece? Yeah. One of the better words we have in our yeah, lexicon. Because it just sounds like it's it's almost dirty, but it's not. Yeah. Like, you're like, ca, and you think you're going to hear at the end of it. Yeah. You're ca, and you think you're getting a cock, but nope, you're getting a codpiece. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, um, yeah. Um, Maze Runner, don't recommend it. Sorry. It's just really average. I I'm, mean, I think that it's, you know, it's going to hit for... The tweens, probably. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, I don't. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. I just didn't care. Yeah, you know, that's bottom line. I was like, you know, eh, whatever. You know, I don't recommend it. But it is, you know, if if you're if you're comparing it to other stuff in the young adult genre like Twilight, then fuck yes, it's way better than something like that. But yeah, but uh, at the same time, it's. I mean, the story went nowhere for me. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go and move on to our last review, Tusk. 
this guy wants to turn me into an animal or something. He's fucking nuts. You gotta please come. Please, 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 please. I don't know where he is, but I'm somewhere. I'm at his weird fucking house. I'm like, I'm like two hours from Winnipeg. I'm so fucking scared. I'm so scared I'm not gonna see you again. I'm sorry, I'm such a Right in Tusk, podcaster Wallace Brighton goes missing in the backwoods of Manitoba while interviewing a mysterious seafarer. We all saw this one. I think uh, Cody and I have sev- uh, somewhat different opinions than Kiko. So somewhat, somewhat. Co- Cody, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know some background on Tusk, um, it's made from uh, writer and director Kevin Smith, most famous for uh, you know Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, those types of movies. What? Really? Chasing Amy is not... No, Chasing Amy is the only one that I like. K- Kiko is a noted hater of Kevin Smith. Um, I, I like Kevin Smith uh, quite a bit. Can I, can I interject here real quick? Yeah. Of those three movies, I Chasing Amy is my favorite. Yeah. But I think Mallrats, weirdly, ages the best. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but up until I saw Chasing Amy, I went out of order, and Mallrats was always my favorite. The one I really fir- like, the first Kevin Smith movie I connected with was Mallrats. Because I've been, wa- I've it's been a in well, a few months ago was in kind of heavy rotation on HBO, uh-huh. and I had seen Clerks recently, and I had seen Chasing Amy recently, and ch- and of the three, Mallrats is the one that's most timeless, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it, it ages the best. I mean, Chasing Amy I love still, but it's so 1997. Yeah, yeah, that, that is very true. Um, anyway, uh, the, Kevin Smith has a whole podcast empire at this point. And in one of the episodes of Smodcast, the one he does with his producing partner, Scott Mosier, um, they came across an ad uh, that was uh, someone who was offering a, a free rent if the person dressed up like a walrus. And so um, that resulted in a conversation of restructuring this ad and building a hypothetical movie out of it. And then they made it. And, uh, <laughs> and this is one of those things that was probably best left as a, uh, as a hypothetical idea. Um, for me, and again, I, I really like Kevin Smith. I've been to Q&As. I, I, I enjoy his work for the most part. To me, this movie was excruciating. Um, I, th- this is one of the worst things I've seen this year, easily. And I think it just fails on every single level it tries to, it tries to hit. Um, uh, it's not funny. I didn't laugh at all. Uh, Jared laughed once. And it, that, that, was no, <laughs> that was a fine joke. There's a big Lebowski joke in there that, yeah. that, uh, that, is, it, that is okay. Um, it's not funny. It's not, it's not like shitty funny, like where, where it's like purposely bad. And you're laughing at it and with it. I don't think it hits that mark, and I think it tries to. It's not that. I mean, I don't think that the gore and the um, and the uh, I guess the 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 human centipede part of it, like the like the the real, body horror, sort yeah, of. the body horror stuff. I don't think that works. Um, I think that this is just a colossal misfire on everything. And and one of the worst offenses to me is that 
it it is so overwritten and well, yeah i mean that's classic kevin smith okay you're saying it's so over everything he does is so over no but no everything he does is that's so not true i i even chasing amy which i, I like ag- is so over i will agree with kiko here that is a that is a definite kevin smith trait where it is like there's dialogue that should just be sliced in half or yeah. left out altogether but michael parks in this movie speaks like nobody talks nobody talks like that i think michael parks was given the freedom to do these crazy monologues after red state which uh, he had another like super huge monologue in. Oh, it was like it was like a series of monologues. I, was Red State. I remember. I remember reading one of them was cut down after mm-hmm. the film had premiered. But he has like a like a five minute monologue in Red State. Yeah, I think that's what uh, Smith wanted to do with this one. Just give him you know free reign, give yeah. him a platform, and give him the character, and kind of let him play off of that. So, and I and I don't I didn't dislike Michael Parks in this movie. I thought he was the best part of this kind of shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I wouldn't go far as to calling it shitty, but I, I do think Michael Parks was the best thing about this. I didn't have a problem with his monologues at all here. Um, I thought that that was the best part of the film was him going off, um, you know, you know that there's something wrong with him. and uh, Not right away. I mean, he's kind of just like this old man that wants to tell stories. And the way he was telling the stories, I thought, was pretty interesting. I just um, – Except he's, he's way too young to be a, a D-Day veteran. Oh, making uh, like 90 years old. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I, I don't like Kevin Smith. I'm not a Kevin Smith fan at all, and I didn't hate this movie as much as you two guys did. Um, I thought that uh, the horror elements were very nightmarish, and I think that's what I wanted to get out of a. Um, it looked like horror shit. movie. It looked like can, shit. Can, can we can we get in the spoiler zone here? Because yeah. I want to talk about the movie with uh, everybody. I don't think anybody know. I don't think it's a big secret what happens in this movie, but I want to make sure that anybody who doesn't want to know what the 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 big the, reveal the is, the big reveal of this movie is, skips this next part. Right. Okay. Now entering the spoiler zone to avoid spoilers. Fast forward to one hour, twenty minutes, and eleven seconds. All right. In case you don't know, the uh, tusk of the movie and the poster that features a walrusy looking moon. <laughs> means that uh, that Michael Parks is set to turn uh, Justin Long into a walrus. Yeah, and by the way, just a quick aside on <sighs> Justin Long. Why does he have to shout every line of his dialogue? Because he's an obnoxious podcaster. That's what he does. But here's the thing. It's so weird because Kevin Smith is a podcaster who podcasts all the time. And his his idea of the podcast in the movie was terrible. It was like a morning zoo radio. Oh, but okay. The... <laughs> That's one of my main problems with Kevin Smith, uh, and forever it's been this way, is that he finds a joke funny. Like, the podcast is called The Nazi Party. Yeah. Which is a joke, you know, because oh, it sounds like The Nazi Party. And the premise of the podcast <laughs> is laborious. Yeah, the, <laughs> premise, the, I, the premise of the podcast makes absolutely no sense. There would be no way that this podcast would garner any... Well... <laughs> any... Any listeners, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me how this could be a podcast. The idea is that uh, his you know, Justin Long and his uh, podcast partner, played by Haley Joel Osment, uh, looking looking like a walrus himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's got his same face, but it's just all puffed around him. <laughs> I have something to say about that later. But. Okay, um, so uh, the idea is that Justin Long goes to interview these people, 
like inter- or, or goes somewhere and has some crazy story, yeah. and that, that Haley Joel Osment's character won't travel because he's afraid to fly. He's afraid to fly, so he has not seen this stuff. Yeah. So the not see party, <sighs> and it's a fucking it's a terrible joke that that Smith thinks is funny. Yeah, and it keeps getting driven into the ground and it's just I actually think that's a microcosm of the movie. We, I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like the one of my f- like most hated jokes in Mallrats is the uh back of back of a Volkswagen joke. Yeah. Where you know to when the, everybody they're an, talking about an uncomfortable they're, place. They're talking about anal sex and they yeah. mean the back of a Volkswagen and it's just not funny. <laughs> Even though you guys are laughing, at it right but now. It, well, it's just because it's been not funny to me for almost twenty years. <laughs> okay, uh, and but you say that joke, and people yeah. know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. uh, and then uh, speaking of not funny, holy fuck, Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, that's a surprise to me, and I admit I was totally fooled. Yeah, I had not for whatever reason I didn't know Johnny Depp was in this movie. Yeah, and when he showed up on screen. He's wearing a fake nose like he did in uh, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Uh, and he's he was recognizable to me that I knew he, he had to be some actor that I recognized before, but I didn't know 100% that it was Johnny Depp until you told me afterwards, yeah. Cody. And fuck. The, that's, Speaking of indulgent. That scene between Michael Parks and Johnny Depp is so hard to watch. Because it goes on forever. Okay, Johnny Depp is playing a uh, okay, a bumbling. Uh, well, okay, yeah. let's let's get some plot details out of the way okay. here. Because Justin Long goes to visit, goes to see uh, you know this guy Michael Parks, yeah, and disappears. Yeah, uh, and then you f- you go back to visit uh, his girlfriend, played by uh, Genesis Rodriguez. Uh, you first you first are introduced to her blowing him. Right. Yeah. Of course, because that's <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you've ever read any of Kevin Smith's books, I read his Kevin Kevin Smith book, and it was all about having sex with his wife. Yeah. And it was not enjoyable, <laughs> as I'm sure it was for his wife. <laughs> but anyway, so you're Zing. you're treated to. Uh, she's introduced, giving him a blowjob, and then the next time you see her, she's crying to the camera. Yeah. About how in he, another f- monologue, another monologue, which I didn't mind, but it was. Kind of horribly out of place. Yes. Uh, she's crying about how he cheats on her. Yeah. And uh, the reveal, I well, guess, quote, reveal. Hold this on. is, yeah, this was the comment I was going to make. There's a reveal that uh, that it's, 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 she's with Haley Joel Osment, which is not surprising at all, especially because in the end of that scene, you see Haley Joel Osment's <laughs> fat hand <laughs> on her face. <laughs> And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, she's she's confiding in Haley Joel Osment, right? Use a, a fake hand. Use someone's fake hand because it's this bloated, like tiny little hand on her face. And and the the, <laughs> the way that this this movie is told in how are you gonna use a fake hand? <laughs> another actor, a stunt hand. That's so funny because when I saw that hand, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like, my god, that's a fat hand. <laughs> uh, but, you know, anyway, uh, I mean, that's the way that Smith does this. He does a few reveals, like the reveal that Michael Parks can walk. Well, no shit he can walk. That like, was – I didn't mind that one. Really? That I, was okay because, I mean, I expected it, but you know that uh, you know that Justin Long's character didn't expect it, right. which was fine with me. Yeah, uh, um, but but I mean the way this movie unfolds, it you get some and then it goes back and then you get some and it goes back. And then there's flashbacks that go back to Michael Parks and the 
40s and it's just it's it's so amateurish the way it's edited and put together i was shocked at that but okay so getting back to the plot you know justin long disappears Mm -hmm. uh he knows his uh then you flash to uh uh genesis rodriguez and Haley joel osmond uh as a couple and they're talking about how shitty he is yeah and you get a flashback again to him talking about cheating on her when he's going out of town yeah. <laughs> because he's a fucking rock star podcaster, <laughs> which please, I wish Hollywood would stop doing this, like creating hotshot bloggers yeah. and hotshot podcasters. There's like two people in the world that have gotten like further their careers from podcasts. It's like Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick and Mark Marin. Yeah. And those are the two. And neither one of them I describe as like rock stars. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, like, like well, I'm going to give Mark Marin some road in. <laughs> like, no, he's just going to talk about his fucking cats. You know? <laughs> But <laughs> so anyway, uh, Justin Long, he's you. You go back to him, and he's got his leg cut off, and he manages to call uh, both, of, both them. of them, and they neither want to answer because they're sexing, I guess, one another. Uh, so they go to to find him in in Manitoba, and then you're treated to like the worst Canada jokes, Ugh. the like the most amateurish Canada jokes. Uh, you know, yeah. oh, everybody says a boot and. Uh, it's the A to Z, uh, and, and you don't talk about a Canadian and say you you don't like hockey. Yeah, it's like, okay, we get it. So, so the police basically tell them, you know, they don't, they don't take them seriously. They don't take them seriously. So they run across somehow. I don't remember how a private eye. Yeah, who a, a former cop from Quebec. Uh, you know, he's a French Canadian. Yeah. Played by Johnny Depp. But uncredited, if you look in the credits, it says Guy Lapointe, played by Guy Lapointe. Yeah, and you're introduced to him in this tedious scene at a what's supposed to be, I guess, a, like a fast food restaurant. Ugh. Gimli Sliders. I didn't even get the joke. <laughs> and he smashes a... I mean, it's just... It's a fucking long scene, and it's totally played for laughs. Yeah. But there aren't any. No. It's not funny at all. And then... You get a flashback to him meeting Park's character yeah. two years ago when he's looking for a missing hockey player. And for some reason, Parks is acting like he's mentally challenged. Yeah. So he's talking in a goofy voice, and Johnny Depp is talking in a goofy uh, French-Canadian voice. And there's a constant like French accordion soundtrack playing under the whole yeah. thing. And shit, it, if it doesn't last five minutes... I am totally like time means nothing to it, me. Anymore. It has to be. It has to be at least five minutes because <laughs> that scene it fucking lasts forever and it's the worst. Both thing. scenes. Both scenes last a long time. Yeah. Even the diner one. The diner there. one lasts a long time, but this the the one with Parks and and Depp, and it's fucking filled with stupid Canada jokes. Also like poutini weenie and yeah. Oh god! I mean, it's just I would, we're, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, am I in the same fucking movie? Because this is. <laughs> it, yeah, it felt like a trip to something else. It was the weirdest. And it felt like they just, because I mean, they abandoned the previous story for a good ten minutes. I don't get people saying that this is Johnny Depp's some of his best work in a while because it's terrible. It's awful. There's a lot of there's I'm, there are various mixed opinions on this movie that I don't understand. I mean, he he reminds me of, he's playing off a lot of uh, you know the Pink Panther, uh, oh, yeah, the, the Clouseau, Clouseau, yeah. Clouseau kind of character. I got a little bit of Mike Myers from Austin Powers in there. There's a lot of little things that you know I could see where he's kind of getting inspiration from but and trying to create this new character it's so terrible though but, yeah it's, it's there's no and that's the thing with smith uh there's no there's no restraint eff, yeah there's no restraint on his part there's no restraint on johnny depp there's no effort to rein it i mean 
think about it. You get Johnny Depp for your shitty horror movie, like you're probably going to let him do whatever he wants. Right. Yeah. But as we've seen in you know subsequent Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's not always a good thing to have the one of the hugest movie stars in the world just riff. Yeah. Right. Um, well, especially if you know that it's him. I mean, you can't really take it seriously. I, I didn't think. I mean, well, I mean Jared I knew, didn't know and he I still couldn't take it seriously. Uh, yeah. I I knew – I don't know. I feel stupid for not knowing it was Johnny Depp because <laughs> – uh, did you know it was Johnny Depp at the end of 22 Jump Street? <laughs> I did. No, 21 th- Jump Street. 21, I'm sorry. I did. No, I figured that. I figured right. he would show up in that. Yeah. Um, anyway. let's, let's talk about the 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 full walrus yeah, aspect of this. I, I want to talk about that because th- th- this was my big problem with the movie. Um, I thought the, the horror scenario was, was done fine. I thought that it was um, weird and off the wall enough to work. The only thing is I – wasn't sure if he was playing it for laughs. And, I, I think that. Well, go go ahead and I'll explain um, something to you. And, and that's what that's what got me. I mean, I I'm pretty sure he was playing it for laughs, but it wasn't funny. I mean, it was so disturbing in a, in a way that I just didn't find any of the walrus stuff as funny as I think Smith thought it was. And I think that was what what you were talking about. He probably thought it was funny, and other people around him thought it was funny, so they just kept going with yeah. it. And but I don't even think it was disturbing. I thought it was just ridiculous. Well. Okay. Because you get to the basically halfway through the movie, they reveal that he's been like reconstituted, sewn together as this walrus, but then it doesn't really go anywhere from there. No, like there's nowhere like that should have been the climax of the film. There is a I like the scene, and I think it's suitably horror y scary when he's uh, Michael Parks is teaching him to swim as a walrus and he goes underwater and he sees the dead walrus, like the other experiments that have done. I thought that was a nice horror movie touch, but. It just looks the makeup effects are so bad. Yeah, it looks like just he's in like a, a rubber suit. Yeah, and uh, and and I mean, of course, he is supposed to be stitched together with skin of other people. I guess. I guess <laughs> that's not, never really clear because he, yeah, he stitched. Where did he get the other people from, and how did he get the skin to? Well, and then <laughs> and, and then the idea of of. The way this ends is virtually Justin Long becomes an actual walrus. It ends – it's like the end of Shaun of the Dead. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, and it's like – here's here's the thing, and here's the thing that, that speaks to your point about whether he was playing it for laughs. In the, in the closing credits, they play the audio from the podcast in which Kevin Smith is describing exactly the ending of this movie where he's gone full walrus and that he is a walrus now and he can't go back. And him and Scott Mosier are just laughing hysterically at this idea. Oh, and they and they take the they take the uh, like piss out of the scene by saying yeah. that like oh, and then we play this sensitive song. Uh-huh. So it's like, wait, am I supposed to be invested in this thing at all? Right? Or was it all just a big fucking joke? Exactly, exactly. And that's how the movie feels because it feels like a joke we're not in on because they're laughing hysterically and we just watched it and we didn't find it an ounce funny. And so you know, it's it, it feels like. There is this idea of trying to construct a joke and, and make it funny, and and that they found it funny, and not many others do. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I f- I feel like the comedy parts, especially in the second half when he does go full wal- walrus, don't hit at all. I mean, nothing is funny when he's in that costume, and I think maybe the costume itself. I mean, I don't think it's supposed to look incredibly real. I see, think, I, see, I don't even know. Yeah, you know what know. I mean? I don't know. I don't know what the how to read this movie. I don't know if it's supposed to be like because I've seen reviews that that applaud the special effects, right. the makeup effects. 
And but no matter how you read it, if it was meant to be serious, it fails. If it was meant to be funny, it fails. Yeah. And so it's I mean, it's like you're you're really like trying to pick uh you know, pick two piles of shit see, see, to choose from. People and- are people are comparing this a lot to like the second coming of like something like the Human Centipede. And uh, w- when I saw the Human Centipede, which I thought was underrated uh, as a horror movie, I think that um, that director didn't play it for laughs, and you can tell there's no. It's just disturbing all around. Mm-hmm. And here, I don't think Smith, even though maybe he had that movie in the back of his mind, w- went that same route. He really wanted to make this funny and. <laughs> just but here, work. here's the thing and i think you might disagree a little bit on this but the first half of the movie which doesn't have the walrus stuff i don't think it's funny at all either i don't think any of the intentionally funny stuff is funny i don't think it's like over you know i mean it's not <clears throat> his best work in terms of like writing uh you know jokes but i thought the the dialogue was fine i like the way that the two characters uh, bantered off each other i like that really? one of them was really annoying and the other one was really like kind of like more of a hannibal lecterish you know type intellect and but see justin long ruined those scenes for me by being over the top and loud and obnoxious and see i i think that's what he was there for i i I didn't mind that part i just think the whole kind of i mean the premise the setup like oh they're they he's a podcast host like like, man already it's like (laughs) okay and a lot of stuff has to go exactly a certain way and like like the whole idea of them him the the guy killing himself and then him i want to i want to mention that that's the worst that, oh, that's that, again okay. That special effect. See, okay. honestly, and when I was watching it at first, I thought that it, it was, was a, like a joke, like like the guy made the video with the special effects, and then we find out that he really chopped his leg off. I was like, oh, that was supposed to be real. Yeah, and I mean that's a real bargain basement special effect right there. I mean, it's already a, a tough premise to buy into. Like, oh, he's a podcaster who goes to interview people. Yeah, like why? I mean, I don't, like it's already like a like like a big hurdle to cross for this movie. Yeah. And he's supposed to be, I mean, I guess it, it was played for last a little bit with Michael Parks. Is like, what the fuck is that? You know, basically at, like, what's a podcast? Right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't mind Michael Parks at all. I really liked his no, character. I, I thought he, I mean, I, I thought he, everything, he even said at was, the end when he's uh, dressed as a walrus and they're fighting to the, I thought that was, I thought that was cool. I thought I didn't have any problem with that. I think the more, Weird off the wall type stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was it was original at least. I mean, we didn't get another type of you know stupid horror movie that I wish, rehashed the same kind of junk. I wish we would have stayed more with. I mean, Johnny Depp's thing could have been cut entirely. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, and maybe just have them track him down. You know, the, the, his friend. Yeah, and his what girlfriend. Got, what got me was that he's he's been you know trying to find this guy for years and then all of a sudden he just stumbles on onto him all yeah. of a sudden in his home and the, and the thing that sh- that this, that's so surprising to me is that Kevin Smith spends so much time on so much stuff and then yet we get a scene of him sewing and then he's a f- walrus yeah. like there's no in between there's no how did this happen there's no anything well that's what i'm saying like it's that walrus stuff sh- the full walrus should have been left to the end yes exactly you know it should have been it like, should have happened in phases or something yeah. but cuz at first he cuts his leg off and then you see him sew his arms to his sides yeah and then and then he looks nothing like 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 why even do that <laughs> yeah yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I I didn't think I maybe what I found why I found it uh, disturbing. Well, other than the fact that I don't know, it's you can still see his eyes, you can still just Justin Long's eyes, yeah, but and he, he looks ridiculous. I know, but I don't know if that was what did you want him to look like? I mean, did you want him to look like a real walrus? I don't understand. Uh, you know, you, I, I I would have just liked a better looking. I, I didn't mind the design. I just wish it would have been pulled off better because it looks like shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Especially it looks when like a head, Halloween costume. His head like sinks back into the walrus, yeah, and it looks like a. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought that was I thought that was fine. I mean, he's, but, but he was he he just put him in this. I would have rather him have him been in a like a Chuck E. Cheese type mouse costume that looked like a walrus and just sewn inside that. That would have been more interesting, probably. Yeah. Um, but then he wouldn't have the, gotten the whole like you know the climax that or the the well him swimming. Make any sense. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Well, it didn't make any sense anyway because I mean, who would put him in a zoo knowing that? <laughs> He's a real man inside the. Yeah. But I, I just, like I said, I don't mind the design. I don't mind the what they were going for. I just wish it would have looked better. <laughs> you know, like the kid cutting off his leg. Like it's not a bad joke. It's just was pulled off terribly. Like right. it looks like shit. Right. No, I agree. So I don't want to make it seem like I like this movie because I didn't. But I mean, I thought there was but, some good parts to it. I I like some of the horror elements to it. I just thought they were really weirdly put together when it came to the comedy stuff. So. All right, let's go ahead and get out of the spoiler zone here because we're done talking about Now leaving the spoiler zone. All right, bottom line, recommended, not recommended. I mean, for me, I hated every single part of this movie. Um, I think that the, the one saving grace, there was a scene where, where Michael Parks is describing meeting Ernest Hemingway. I think that that small little chunk was the only thing that I could actively say that I liked about it. Um, I think it, it is a colossal misfire mm-hmm. in every single other way. I liked the one big Lebowski joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really it. It was a reference to the big Lebowski, and it was and it was well played by the characters in the movie. But otherwise, <laughs> I didn't like this movie at all, and it made me it made me kind of sad. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought the first half was um, done okay. I mean the the the. the the synopsis of it or the whole idea of it is so dumb and doesn't make any sense. But um, the best part of this for me was Michael Parks and, and, and the way he interacts with Justin Long. Uh, as soon as it hits the full walrus, it just goes apeshit crazy. And I have no idea what he was trying to do with it. So the mesh of comedy and uh, horror didn't work at all in this movie. So that's why I have to say that I'm not recommending it. So, but Michael Parks is good. I thought he was funny. I thought he, uh, when he sang the Tibitsy Spider, I thought I liked that. I um, I did like Michael Parks. Okay, I didn't. I mean, I wish the I wish the movie around him was better. I mean, I liked Red State a million times better than I liked this movie. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think Red State was okay. Yeah, so. I, I I totally agree. I, think, I didn't like Red. State. I think Red State was fine. Uh, in this movie, in this movie is way worse than Red State. It's it, I I liked Red State in that it was a decent movie outside of Kevin Smith's kind of. Uh, you know, shitty joke worldview. And I think this, he tried to combine the two and it just doesn't work at all. I just think for a horror type movie, it's a little bit more original than what we've gotten in the past. No, I, so, I, I, the um, concept I think is great. I think it's, the execution is shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with it's, you. It's shockingly, like I said, shockingly amateurish from a guy who's been making movies for 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. So we went to our last segment. I wanted to talk about filmmakers that I used to love that now disappoint me in honor of Kevin Smith. (laughs) Um, Like we touched on earlier, I was a big fan of Kevin Smith uh, from Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, even Dogma, even a little bit with uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know uh, how you discovered him, but it's funny. The way I discovered Kevin Smith was my dad had somehow seen something about Clerks. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to watch Clerks. Like he saw a commercial for it or a review of it somewhere. And he thought it'd be funny. And he watched it. We rented it and he watched it and he hated it. But then I watched it and I loved it. I'm mm-hmm. with your dad. No, I didn't watch it with my dad. I watched it separately. Oh, why? Because just, I, we don't really share 
too many common tastes yeah. and movies. I was I was a little late to Kevin Smith. I remember I was at a friend's house when I was going into high school. Um, well, that was pretty late. Yeah. <clears throat> so this was you know about two thousand three, two thousand four. And um, he was a big Kevin Smith fan, and, and one night I was over at his house, and I was uh, we were having a slumber party. <laughs> it's not called a slumber party when you're a boy; it's a sleepover. <laughs> so we were having a slumber party, and um, and he was just like, we <laughs> first first he put on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and I wasn't digging it uh, at the time. And then so he was like, "Have you ever seen any Kevin Smith movies?" And I was like, "No." And and so we watched like everything that was out to that point, and we started with Mallrats. And um, and Mallrats was like I said the first one that really connected and we went kind of from there and and I even liked later Kevin Smith stuff I mean I I really like Zach and Mary make a porno I like Clerks two a lot I like Clerks oh, two oh my god I hate Clerks two really really yes. I like that a lot oh, I love Clerks two uh, I like I even like Jersey Girl I think it's I think it's fine for what it is no one of my favorite things about Jersey Girl is the commentary because this is like the dark Ben Affleck times yeah everybody hated him. There's the commentary track on that movie uh-huh. with him and Kevin Smith is fucking hilarious. I haven't heard it. And there's an interview on there, like a video interview with Kevin Smith and, and Ben Affleck. They're standing in like an audio booth somewhere. Uh-huh. And it is fucking hilarious, too. I, uh, I The thing about Jersey Girl I love is George Carlin in that movie is really yeah. good. I like, used to really good. I mean, I, I grew up watching Kevin Smith. Uh, not grew up, but I was in high school when those movies came out. And I bought the VHS tapes. And then when DVD hit, those were like some of the first DVDs I bought, and I listened to the commentary tracks, and they were just great. Yeah, uh, you know, and he was one of the first filmmakers I followed online. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would blog a lot before it was really called blogging. Uh, he had, a, I guess, it was a message board, the View Askew. Yeah, View Askew. Yeah. And I had a View Askew T-shirt. I had several View Askew shirts. And then when uh, I got really excited for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and it disappointed me. Yeah, that movie does not hold up very well. Um, and then Jersey Girl, I liked all right. And then Clerks, I liked. Clerks 2, I liked. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, what came after Clerks 2? Zach, Zach and Mary, Mary. I liked okay. Uh, it tries a little too hard to be an Apatow movie. Yeah, I think that's uh, but then he kind of gave up after that and went to, like, that's when he started podcasting. Well, it's when he started talking retirement. Oh yeah, and I I enjoy also the uh, evening with Kevin Smith. Oh, I love those. Yeah, those I've, are great. And I've been to Q and A's. I've I'm like <clears throat> my face is on the Kevin Smith Burn in Hell. Uh, if you look on the Netflix special, oh, yeah? they do some cutaways to me because I was in the front row. <laughs> wow. So I'm so you get that. me laughing like. Ah. I remember those being weirdly edited. The evening yeah. with Kevin Smith. Well, I mean, they're just. I mean, one a couple of them are just like three questions. I think the one that I went to is like three or four questions, and that's mm-hmm. it. But. uh once he started getting into the podcasting thing, yeah, I think I think there was a point he hit where uh, he he first of all, and this isn't anything new, but Kevin Smith is really big into talking up what he does, and so if you read anything about Red State, you thought, oh my god, this is going to be the craziest movie ever, yeah, and it just wasn't. And I love the idea of of you know taking on Fred Phelps in the Westboro Baptist Church, mm-hmm. and it just fell flat. It, it it was fine, but it wasn't. I liked it until the end. Yeah, um, I thought it was going to go in a crazier direction than it did. Yeah, even you know, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, Mallrats holds up the best to me of his old stuff, just because it's a little more timeless than Chasing Amy and uh, and Clerks, because those feel very of their time. And even even something like Dogma, I look at it now. Dogma did not hold up for me as I watched it there, more and like, more. Chris Rock's character is completely unnecessary. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe um, 
maybe I really didn't love Kevin Smith as much as I thought I did. But now stuff, starting with Cop Out, mm-hmm. which is a fucking terrible movie. The only redeeming thing about that movie is the score by Harold, uh, what's his name? Fontmeyer? Fontmeyer, yes, sorry. Who did the Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch. It's a great score, but everything else about that movie sucks. Yeah. And then after that, I I just didn't care about Kevin Smith anymore. And now this movie disappoints me like no other one has. Tusk has. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I'm in the same boat with you. And if we had to pick a filmmaker, I would probably pick Kevin Smith too. Um, although there are some others, but there, there's something about this movie that's like, okay, I'm officially, I don't get it anymore. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing that that, that bothers me about it because even Red State, I got. Mm-hmm. This one I don't get. Well, and the, and the fact is now he's got so many fans. Because I was a fan, I was a big fan. I didn't defend him like some of these people do online. But you look at it now, and there are reviews trashing this movie, and the comment sections are peppered with people calling the reviewer a hater. Right. You know, just oh, you just don't get Kevin Smith. Like, no, the movie just sucks. Well, it's so far removed from anything that 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 made him, other than having you know verbose monologues. It's yeah. it's so far removed, and you know, at one point Kevin Smith was going to make a uh, a hockey movie called Hit Somebody based on a Warren Zevon song, mm-hmm. and I was really excited for that. I'm a huge fan of hockey, and I really wanted to see it happen. And then it became, oh, we're going to do a TV series out of it, and now it's like I don't even know if that's ever going to happen. Well, there's always a lot of talk from him because I remember there was going to be a Clerks animated movie, right? Which the Clerks animated series, I don't know, have you seen that? Co- no, I, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen no. it? It's it's great. Like, uh-huh. it was way before its time. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it takes shots at Family Guy. Oh, really? Uh, like, early Family Guy. But it's, it's, it was a great little series that got totally shit on because it was stuck on ABC, like, in the summer of 2000 or something. Yeah. But uh, there was supposed to be an animated version of that that he talked about for years. And then there was supposed to be, uh, I think, Clerks 3 is still in the works. Clerks 3 is still apparently going to happen. But, but Miramax doesn't want to do it. It's, uh, I mean, it's like... It's 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 so frustrating to the point because now he he talks about this stuff and then he makes Tuscan. We're like, oh, we're gonna do a True North trilogy now, so they're gonna yeah. have yoga hosers and then some other whatever. Who knows? And but it's, it's and, I, and the people that defend him say, well, he's making the movies he wants to make, which fine, and that's kind of a trait that uh, of my other filmmaker I wanted to talk about, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, uh, who made some of my favorite movies in the Back to the Future movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, whatever you say about Forrest Gump, I don't care because I love that movie. I love Castaway. Uh, Castaway is mm-hmm. a great movie. Um, but then after Castaway, and uh, I think What Lies Beneath was, I can't remember if that was before or after Castaway. It was in 2000. They were both in 2000, but I don't remember which came first. Oh. Uh, after that. Polar Express? He well, he, do, he, he fell into capture. that motion capture thing with Polar Express, Beowulf, Beowulf and Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. And they're just these lifeless, zombie, dead-eyed abominations that i i totally got off board with and then even when he left that that genre and went to flight i fucking hated flight Flight was awful flight, flight was, an was awful movie overrated movie in my opinion i didn't ca- i didn't mind christmas carol as much too much but uh, it's uh, funny but i see what you mean i mean he's gone was it all because of this was why did he get caught up so much in that i don't know but and then what's what's uh i guess kind of sad about it is that none of those look great. And then Avatar came along like the same year as Christmas Carol, I think, and just blew it out of the fucking water. I sort of disagree. I think Beowulf looks really good. I remember Beowulf being one of the first movies where the 3D was actually like 
like amazing for me. I I still think it looks like it just doesn't look right. I don't remember Beowulf, but I remember the Polar Express thinking that it looked terrible, especially with the the more detailed parts of the like the elves. Oh, they just all looked like demons to me. The whole uncanny valley thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and there are people that, that genuinely, I think, love the Polar Express. People that probably were kids. Uh, probably have a lot of like 18, 19, 20-year-olds now that yeah. are really fond well, I mean, of the Polar ev- Express. In elementary school, we did Polar Express plays every year. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, that was based on the book, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I'm talking about the movie people are fond of. Oh, I don't uh, know. I, I just – it saddens me because, I mean, Back to the Future is probably my favorite movie of all time. And uh, even the stuff he did after that, like Forrest Gump and uh, yeah. Contact uh, and Castaway, they, he was one of the first people that, that really used special effects to enhance the story as opposed to being the, right. the crux of the story. Right. Uh, like if I remember a behind the scenes thing on Castaway, there's there's the part where he uh, where Tom Hanks is going to he's thinking about hanging himself. Mm hmm. And he looks down over that cliff and he you see the ocean right. waves crashing. Well, behind the scenes footage, he's in a fucking parking lot and he's st- he's up on a like a riser and uh he's looking down at a parking lot with green screen mats on it. And that's just it's just a it's a co- such a common thing now that nobody even thinks about it. But in two thousand that was revolutionary. You know, here's the guy expanding his palette, you know, not on location, he's just in a fucking parking lot using special effects. To to just make a shot, just a, a shot, and now right. you see stuff like I don't know if you saw this uh, earlier this year. They released uh, the Wolf of Wall Street special effects. Yeah, reel. I did see that, and it's fucking incredible. Yeah, that they just you know it's just it's a it's another tool instead of location scouting. You're just like oh well, we'll just fucking build it, and it's yeah. not even it's not even fascinating stuff. It's not even like a future world. It's like oh we'll CG make a CG tennis court. To show Leonardo DiCaprio playing tennis in this right. minimum security resort prison at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one more too for me, and and this isn't necessarily a director I loved because I, I don't re- I haven't really connected with a bunch of stuff, but I know a bunch of people do. I think that Ridley Scott's name means nothing anymore, uh, and I think they yeah. keep trying to push it, and it's not happening because if you look at like um, I hated American Gangster. Like, like I really, I never saw. I it. hate that movie. I thought that was overrated as well. But I mean, he's done like his last five movies or so: Body of Lies, Robin Hood, Prometheus, and The Counselor, which was just beyond awful. And it's like you know, you see Ridley Scott's name get brought up a lot, and I don't think that it's that the that you know it's held in the same esteem that it used to used to be. Yeah, I agree. You see, you, and you, he was attached to Prometheus as though it was going to be some sort of return to form. Mm-hmm. And then everyone hated the movie or was confused by the movie. True. Speaking of return to form, I'm looking at the Zemeckis's upcoming stuff. He's he is doing a movie called The Walk, which is very intriguing to me. It's uh, the dramatization of the uh, high wire French uh, high wire act, uh, artist Philippi, uh, oh, Philippe's so Petit Man it's on the Wire. Man on Wire, okay. where he walked between the twin towers. Yeah. So he's doing that one. Um, it was. A, Movie set in the seven nineteen seventy four, I think, is when Petit walked between them. High wire act. the 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 actual document, the, the actual documentary on it, was really good. So, yeah. Um, he's doing that. So, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't count Zemeckis out. He's I, also gonna might he might do a remake of uh, or a dramatization of Mar- Marin Cole. 
which I know Cody. Yeah, I love that documentary. So um, there's some interesting things out there that he's connected to, but I just think that the 2000s were lost, though, to, with him. You know, to <clears> that all that motion capture stuff that I don't think anybody connected with. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. I don't have anybody actually. I was think trying to think of somebody that I really loved who's just kind of dropped out of the picture for me. And more, it's more for me is uh, being um, sporadic and being inconsistent than anything. But I, I think some people, you know, like Sam Mendes, he did started off for me at the top of his game with uh, uh, American Beauty and uh, Road to Perdition, but then he dropped down with Jarhead and 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 things like that. And then See, he, I. I... He, I, I thought you were going to say one of what movie I love, which is Away We Go, and I know you don't like no, it. That no, much. I thought that was fine. Okay. I, think, I, mean, I love. Yeah. I really, oh, that's really the like one that with uh, John my... Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. No, no, no. I, that, I forgot I Sam Mendes made that one. Yeah. I started watching that, and I think I stopped because it got a little too indie twee for my. I, I really, really like that movie. So the bearded, the bearded John Krasinski threw me off. <laughs> so yeah, I think that um, for me, it's more of you know inconsistency in terms of. Um, directors i mean i didn't i didn't love skyfall so i i mean well and we talked last week about m night Shyamalan just yeah oh, his see, name he, turning to shit right he's 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 a great example but i mean he started off at such a high level that i don't know there was no way for him to top there there's been a few uh kind of blockbuster directors uh the one i can think of most specifically is Jan de bont oh right did, with uh, speed, speed i actually then, was watching speed last night because it's what the 20th anniversary or something I think it'd be 21. Is Wait, it? I, well, no, yeah, 20, because it came out in 94. Right. And then Speed 2 was 97. <laughs> but he had... Uh, oh, go ahead. But he had that, Speed, and then t- uh, Twister. Right. And then I think Speed 2 was when people started to get off board, and he did the, the Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I think he did the first film. I think that another one is Clint Eastwood seems to have spiraled a little bit, too. I'm, yeah, I agree, but, I mean, he's fucking 85, I mean, he's an old man. Well, that's and that's true. And maybe American Sniper will be good. But if you look, uh, if you look post Gran Torino, I uh, hated Gran Torino. Really, by the way. I, really? I like it a lot. I thought, I, ha- I thought he was the like the just the most uh, <laughs> broadly drawn codger character ever. I I, I liked oh, it. Man. But like Jersey Boys was awful. And yeah, I, I, Hereafter was awful. Invictus was okay. I didn't uh, see J Edgar was J Edgar was bad. Trouble with the curve was. Not great, but it wasn't. Oh, awful. I don't think he, he directed direct that. that. One. Yeah. Oh, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Wait, who did that one? Uh, I'll look it up. Robert oh, Zemeckis, actually. <laughs> uh, Trouble with the Curve was directed by Robert Lorenz, oh. who uh, I saw. Okay, well, who, never that mind. That was his first movie, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I think there's and there's some people that I'm like. One thing I was talking about was, and I and I maybe this isn't fair because I haven't seen his past like two movies, but. Michelle Gondry made my favorite movie ever, and then in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then he went to like Be Kind Rewind and The Green Hornet, which were both really bad. You haven't movies. seen you haven't seen those two? No, I've seen those two, okay. but I haven't seen like uh, Mood Indigo or The Science of Sleep. Oh, well, yeah, and I I think uh, I've seen both of those, and they don't they they're not good. Uh, Be Kind Rewind was a great concept. Oh, I it think. was an awesome concept, and then it just the execution was was bad don't you hate that i know because i wanted to love that movie yeah i was too. like i saw it and i thought man this is gonna be great and then <laughs> it just has this kind of weirdness to it and then green hornet i don't know what was going on with the green hornet that's another one kevin smith was attached to yeah. years ago if you remember yeah i think miramax bought the rights to it for him mm-hmm. and then uh he floundered he backed out and yeah. then uh 
he was also going to do another Fletch movie. Yeah, he was supposed to. He was supposed to do. Uh, su- he had wrote a script for Superman. He, oh yeah. He wrote uh, Fletch one, which he was going to do with Jason Lee, which would have been perfect. But the studio didn't want Jason Lee; they wanted a bigger name, mm-hmm. so he backed out of that. And then, then that that got switched to uh, was it Bill Lawrence? Was Bill Lawrence was supposed to do it with, with Zach, Zach Graf. Graf? Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I think Jason Sudeikis is attached to it now. Uh, and, now and now he's doing Tusk too. Did you guys hear? It's already in the, in the it's in the can. It's uh, it's, it's going to be another it's it's not, Tusker, <laughs> Tusk two Tusker. I actually think that Jason Sudeikis in a Fletch movie wouldn't be too bad. I don't know that anybody can can separate Chevy Chase from Fletch. Yeah. right now because I mean. I mean, I know that Fletch is based on books, but mm-hmm. no one knows that. Yeah. I mean, no one. Uh, and Fletch is another one of those movies that uh, a lot of people say is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I like it, but it's not hilarious. It's more of an action movie than it is a comedy. I mean, yeah. there's there's funny jokes, but it's not it's not laugh out loud. It's like Beverly Hills Cop. Like, it's funny in parts, but it's mostly an action movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I was... It was trying to think of, of of things I could put, and I just can't think of someone who who is just you know bad all the way around for the past few years and 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 used to be good. I, I couldn't. It was hard to think. Of Mediocre, that. I think, is an easier Mediocre's one to one. Um, like someone like Ivan Reitman has really fallen off. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's I a good mean, one. Maybe I don't know if a lot of it's just people getting older. You know, I guess you could say George Lucas. Francis Ford uh, Coppola. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola has really taken a dive, but he didn't he go bankrupt and have to do a lot of stuff for hire. I think the last movie I remember seeing of Francis Ford Coppola's was The Rainmaker, a movie that I actually liked. It's right there on the wall, right somewhere. Yeah, right there. Ah, uh, uh, Francis. I mean, you would think that everybody would go after him for something, but he, I mean, he had that studio that went bankrupt, the American Zoetrope. Oh, right. Uh, so, and then he did Jack. The Robin Williams movie. <laughs> I don't remember what he's done since then, but uh, very small movies. Um, Twixt was one of them. Twixt, uh, Teatro with uh, Vincent Gallo, uh, Youth Without Youth. So yeah, he. I mean, yeah, not too many big ones. Anyway, it's, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you guys, but I really don't. Kevin I mean, Smith is just the most glaring because it was. Well, for I mean, you, I, for me, yeah, because I mean, I and it. It helped that his whole mythology was, you know, he was a, you know, spent $20,000 on clerks and became a huge success right in that kind of wheelhouse of independent film in the 90s, even though he's probably the the, uh, the hackiest example of that. I mean, since he came to he came to prominence right at the same time as Quentin Tarantino. Right. And Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. I think Quentin Tarantino is half a hack, but he manages to put together pretty good movies. <laughs> half a hack. I mean, I think because he, he's kind of crazy and likes a lot of shitty stuff, but he manages to put together good stuff out of it. And I think Kevin Smith's the same way. Like he likes a lot of shitty stuff, but just goes ahead and runs with it anyway. It just bums me out that he has gotten to this point where it's where you're like, man, that was just there's nothing good about that. And it's bl- and blatantly like I don't give a shit. Oh no, it's yeah. like it's like. Uh, it's almost like he made Tusk saying as a challenge, like, oh, you don't think I can make this movie? I will make this movie and, and just made it. And, and it, it'll be lame. Well, and it, and it exists for the sake of existing, I think. And that's yeah. the problem. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm kind of smiling at his failure now, right now. I don't I mean. Well, his, fan, his fans don't think he failed. Yeah. Like his real, true, really? Are fans. you serious? 
Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That on these commentary, I mean uh, reviews in the comments section, people are calling the reviewers haters just because they don't get Kevin Smith, uh-huh. and they talk about how you know oh he's making the movies he wants to make. That's fucking fine, but it still sucks. You know, plenty of people are making the movies they want to make, and they look like shit and are shit. So, anyway, I guess that's enough, right? We're done. Yeah, I think we've. I think uh... we've exhausted this uh, Kevin Smith bashing. <laughs> yeah, as far as it'll go. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, email us at podcast at net and call us at 920-FILM-210. Leave us a text message. Send us a text message, voicemail, whatever. That's 920-3456-210. Do we have next week? We have the Equalizer, right? Yeah. You know what's weird about the Equalizer is that Chloe Moretz has second billing. And I, if I wouldn't have known that she was in the movie from like – reading about it i would not know that anyone other than denzel was in it she's not in any of the commercials none i have not seen her once in any commercial neither have i i think i saw her was she on somebody's show recently was she but she had the if i stay yeah out which maybe that's Um, gotten more publicity than yeah but she's not i mean she's nowhere to be found when isn't she playing it's it the synopsis of this makes me think a lot of uh, man on fire yeah uh with which of course was dakota fanning as a eight-year-old or something yes right and uh hopefully we'll get to see uh the skeleton twins skeleton twins which comes out uh, uh next on friday as well as love is strange and then love is strange which is the john lithgow um alfred molina, alfred molina love story so oh wow wow i hadn't heard about that one. Oh yeah, yeah. it's huh. love is strange hey love is strange <laughs> isn't love strange <laughs> you fall in love with john lithgow and your alfred molina <laughs> is alfred molina gonna be british in this movie or not uh, I don't know. I don't remember from this if he has an accent. I think the last movie he was British in that I remember was Species. He's British in An Education. Oh, I still haven't seen that. We talked about yeah. this a couple weeks ago. See it already, God man. Damn it. What are you waiting for? <laughs> edu- Let me write that down. An Education. Get an Education. Re-Alfred Molina British. Yes. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the show this week. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.